With the Canadian election coming up, there is a lot to talk about. So I have on historian and YouTuber Christo Avalis. Christo, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So um, there's a lot to go through. So uh, as I said, there's a, an election coming up. Trudeau hasn't called it yet. Uh, before we even get to any topics, actually, when do you think Trudeau will call the election? And uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, basically with the Fair Elections Act, you know, uh, it basically means that instead of the five-year window that Canada has constitutionally, it's a four-year window. And usually the prime minister has to call the election within a sort of two-week window, give or take. It's not an exact set date, but it's more or less like in these first in these couple weeks, you have to call an election. And so I think the the consensus is that it could be this week that he'll go to the governor general and ask for parliament to be dissolved, thus starting the election. Or it could be the week after where it'll be a, a little bit less uh, of a, an election window because elections can be longer or shorter in Canada. And that's important because it determines election spending amounts, both in general and at the riding level. And mm -hmm. if the liberals feel that the Tories have a bit more money than them, they feel they might get an advantage by a slightly shorter window. So maybe you might see Justin Trudeau call it next week. Although, um, you know, uh, the internal calculus is something I don't have a, a direct pulse on. So it'll come this week or next week. Yeah. And that's just uh, for, for the uh, the American viewers out there. I mean, in contrast to their elections where it's like, you know, <laughs> years at a time uh, running for, for, for president, uh, it's kind of crazy that our election is our, you know, I mean, in comparison to them, it's crazy that our election is, is so short. But I mean, I, I guess there are positive and, and, and negatives to that. Do you how do you feel about that just to, in general, that our elections are shorter than, you know, American elections? Yeah, I mean, in, in, in official terms, because again, with the U.S., it's like every yeah. November they have elections and it's like sometimes it's all the, you know, it's a third of the Senate and then, you know, uh, the House and then the presidency half the time. And then you got state elections and they have like, you know, a regimented like November schedule. Canada elections can happen anytime, at, at, you know, in any way. And with a majority government, we have this weird scenario. A majority government basically means it'll almost always run four years maybe a little bit less if the, 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 you know, if there's no fair elections act in the province. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we don't have the formal election starting, but we sort of have this informal election period. So yeah. Canada in some ways has been in election mode since the spring, more or less. But in Canada, the formal writ period is very important. And the writ period is the period between the time that the governor general or, or lieutenant governor, this is all fancy Canadian talk you know what i mean but like yeah. all these terms that like basically the prime minister says we're having an election it'll be six weeks from now and so for those six weeks you know laws around third party advertising change laws around um you know what you know campaign financing change mm -hmm. laws around media conduct change and so we have these pre-election periods to have election style politics but then we have a very formalized six you know, or so weak window. Now it can be longer for the Canadians. You might remember that Stephen Harper did like the 12 week window back yeah. in 2015, which was the longest election in Canadian history since like the days in which you actually needed to like take a train, like through the wilderness to actually visit the <laughs> country. So you needed like 12 weeks to actually run a, a national campaign. Mm -hmm. So, um, and they did that because they had more money and they wanted to maximize their ability to spend. Because, again, the longer the election period, that what that's what determines, you know, the, the spending limits 
at the various levels of the campaign. So it's all very complicated in that sense um, mm -hmm. versus the American system, which, you know, the perpetual campaign, especially at the Congress level, especially at the House level, I think is, 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 is rather corrosive. But, you know, people know on the, the, you know, the first week of November every year, I got a vote to cast, right? We mm -hmm. don't have that certainty in Canada. Yeah. So uh, let's get a little deeper now into, into some topics here. So there was a recent forum research poll showing that the majority of Canadians have a positive view of socialism with 58% uh, positive and 40% negative. What did you uh, take away from this poll? I mean, the headline sounds great. Um, and it is great. I mean, you know, the despite, you know, generations of demonization of socialism and of, of, of the left in general and all of this, you know, that we see in the media, like, oh, you want to make Canada into Venezuela or whatever. You know, the fact that socialism is still is effectively seen as positive by almost like a super majority of Canadians is great. But I think that people only read the headline of that. And then as my video on this topic noted, 58% of people and 42, it's literally exactly mirrored, yeah. have the positive view of capitalism. Mm -hmm. And so I think what it shows is that Canadians um, are are maybe ideologically confused. And it, I think it shows that Canadians, um, maybe more than Americans, are sort of reading in uh, a, a version of socialism and capitalism that fits what they want from a worldview. So for instance, I think for capitalism, a lot of people are reading into that, you know, free markets and they're reading into that, you know, opportunity to succeed and opportunity to get ahead. When, of course, as we know, capitalism requires none of that. Capitalism is about private control of industry. And likewise, I think a lot of people maybe don't talk about socialism in terms of, you know, more of the class conscious element of it. And they consider socialism to be social programs and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's no surprise then that 60% would agree even though, you know, maybe they don't really have a, a, an innate understanding of what, what, you know, democratic socialist vision for Canada would be. And I think that's what's really interesting about that polling. Of course, there's other interesting facts like, you know, um, if you live in certain regions, if you're lower income, you're more likely to support uh, socialism than capitalism. Um, if you're highly educated, you're more likely to support socialism. Lower education supports capitalism. So it's this weird dichotomy where, you know, high income people, you know, sort of don't like capitalism, but then uh, or don't like socialism, excuse me. But you're seeing a divide amongst, uh, you know, low and middle income people depending on their levels of education. So if you're like a blue collar, you know, uh, middle class person in terms of income, you might you might have this negative view of socialism, whereas university educated people have a positive view of socialism. And maybe that's due, in fact, to I feel what cuts beyond you know, the right wing media of the country that you get, you know, a, a better opportunity to read about what democratic socialism has been and can be. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that goes into the next topic I want to touch on here, which is the NDP's wealth tax. So there was a recent uh, abacus poll showing that 67 percent of Canadians support or somewhat support a uh, wealth tax. What are your thoughts on um, on that poll? And also just the I guess the lack of overall media coverage uh, on this issue uh, as a whole. Yeah, I mean, that poll, uh, I made a video about that a couple months ago. That poll was done through North 99 and uh, Ricochet. You know, Ricochet is one of the, the best online sources for Canadian left media. So, like, definitely read that if you're looking yeah. for, like, good coverage, especially they do a lot of work on indigenous issues, which is, you know, especially important. Um, but they did a poll 
and they found that basically two-thirds of Canadians support a wealth tax similar in nature to what Jagmeet Singh has proposed and sort of similar in a broad sense to what you're seeing from like Warren and Sanders in the United States. The numbers are different. Singh's is 1% and it starts at 20 million. You know, the American ones start at a higher amount. But like on the whole, they're similar policies. But what was really crucial about this is it wasn't just two-thirds of Canadians. It was basically everybody from like every demographic. Mm-hmm. Even the most conservative province like Alberta, a majority of people supported it. And a majority of people planning to vote for the conservative party in this election support it as well. So it's not just like, you know, non-conservatives support this policy, which isn't that surprising. It's that almost everybody, uh, almost every demographic back it. And you'd think paradoxically, you know, old people are seen as conservative, but older people were the most likely to support a wealth tax, according to this poll. So -hmm. it shows that, you know, if you want a policy that elderly people like, because elderly people get to those polls, um, maybe a wealth tax is one of them. And I think it's so crucial that, uh, that it demonstrates that, you know, taxing the rich is popular. It's unambiguously popular. It's popular even with people who vote for parties that proudly declare they love the rich, right? Because I mm-hmm. think people realize society is unfair and they people have different visions about how to address that unfairness. And sometimes those visions are, are like literally like diametrically opposed, but there's a feeling that society is unfair. And, and I think taxing the rich is at least a solution that everyone can in different ways get behind. And I think a wealth tax links them. And I think that you know, uh, as I noted in my one of my more recent videos as well, is that, you know, Linda McQuaig at Toronto Star wrote a piece. I know you talked about it in one of your recent live streams where mm-hmm. she notes this and says, well, why isn't the Canadian media covering this? And I think it's it's pretty simple is the Canadian media doesn't represent the average Canadian. It doesn't. Right. Remember, the Globe and Mail a few years ago basically said, you know, we really have a target audience of people making 100 grand a year or more, which is which is not the average Canadian by any means. Mm-hmm. And I think that they have a vested economic and like political interest in not talking about things like a wealth tax, both because the owners of those media and the people who benefit from the coverage in that media don't want a wealth tax, but also because it's a way to differentiate the NDP from the Liberals. And I don't think that these sources want to see a strong NDP because that strikes at the political and social and economic status quo. So when there's good news about the NDP, this is a popular policy that only the NDP supports. The Greens don't support it. The Conservatives don't support it. The Liberals don't support it. And it's popular. If you let people know that, maybe they'll look and say, well, maybe Jagmeet Singh has more good ideas. And I don't think the media is interested. And as you know, this is what they do with Bernie. This is what they do with Bernie. Bernie has objectively popular policies and sometimes he's the only one with them and they just don't mention them, right? Because yep. it, it, it's not, it, it, it doesn't serve the interests of the media in question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a point that I feel Jagmeet Singh could absolutely talk about again and again and again, whether it's in a, a debate, whether he's just on television being interviewed. Mention the fact that a majority of Canadians, including a majority of conservative voters, support a wealth tax and that... You're not talking about it. The media is not talking about it. These politicians aren't talking about it. I mean, that is a point that that really gets to the heart uh, of of what many Canadians are feeling, which is that the media doesn't represent them, but they aren't really sure how to pinpoint that. But when you you have a poll like this showing the data that the data is on the side of the NDP, yet it's not being discussed in the press. I mean, this is a, a huge selling point for Jagmeet Singh and the NDP. And I, I hope he um 
latches on to this and other figures that also support uh, his policies. Yeah, so, no, I, yeah, go I, ahead. no, no, I totally agree. I think, yeah, of course, like they, 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 they could always be doing more to talk about this. Sorry, that was my cat there. I'm just going to, sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. I really apologize. Um, I'm just going to put him over here. That caused it. So, sorry, sorry about that. You'll probably have to cut that. No, no, <laughs> but, it's all good. Unless we want to leave it in as a candid moment. Yeah, but, um, but no, I mean, I, I totally agree that, uh, you know, the NDP could be doing more to popularize this data. And I think it's crucial because, uh, you know, again, one of the things that's challenging for the Canadian left uh, in a way that that's not really for Bernie is that like the liberals will will put forward policies that sound great, but that you got to kind of dig into them sometimes to find out the limitations. So the liberals will say, well, we, we taxed the rich. We raised income taxes on the rich in 2015, which is technically true. The benefits of that went to the top 10%. So they took from the top one and gave to the rest of the 9%. Mm. And it was only income. But I think people need to realize that, you know, the NDP is talking about taxing wealth. And, mm. and that's, that's something that, that, that goes beyond income because the richest people they don't make most of their income from from labor you know maybe like doctors and lawyers and some like you know, highly paid professionals do but like really really wealthy people they don't make their money like at a nine to five job mm -hmm. and it's the same thing with capital gains the NDP wants to you know take the capital gains uh, you know uh, taxation level from 50% of income to 75% so right now if you make a hundred grand in Canada through selling like uh, you know stocks you pay less in taxes than if somebody made $75,000 a year as a teacher or a nurse or what have yeah, you. That's so because, ridiculous. Yeah, because income is taxed at full rate and capital gains only at 50%. The NDP is going to take that to 75. I think they should go to 100, but I think that's a good first step. And mm -hmm. this is a fundamental difference between the liberals and the NDP, or really the, 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 the NDP and the liberals and the Greens and the conservatives and the PPC if we want to throw them in too. But like, it, it's a fundamental difference and the NDP does have to do a better job at selling these things, but I think the media needs to do their job and give Canadians an informed choice. Like, no party is owed an endorsement by the media. No party is owed positive coverage by the media. But the media, I think, owes it to the public to give people all the information that's relevant and let the people make a decision, right? And I don't think we're getting that in regards to like some of the differentiations between the NDP and the Liberals, for instance. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move into slogans now. This is, uh, yeah. for some reason, a big thing in Canada. So <laughs> let me go through each of the party slogans, that, uh, at least the, the major parties that we know so far. So the Liberal slogan is uh, Choose Forward. Uh, the Conservatives have It's Time for You to Get Ahead. Uh, the Greens have Not Left, Not Right, Forward Together, which there's some controversy around that. And um, the NDP now just released theirs, and it's in it for you. So what do you, uh, I don't know, what do you think of these slogans, and what do you think of the, the NDP's decision here? Do you think it, it correctly um, uh, identifies, I guess, what the, uh, the party is, is fighting for in this election? I mean, none of the slogans are bangers, right? Like, yeah, I know. Like, none of them are. Like, <laughs> Some of them are like full I mean, sentences. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, the, like, well, we can go through them all. Like, the Tory one to me, like, it, it seems almost like it's selfish maybe that's what they're based it's like it's time for you to get ahead but like ahead of who like your fellow canadians like yeah, your neighbors yeah. 
your 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 sister-in-law's <laughs> you know like and her bragging about their new house like what what does that yeah. mean right like i don't i, I don't like, i get the point it's like like we're going to cut your taxes and we're going to increase your opportunity like i get that's tory messaging but yeah. it comes off really bad the liberal one almost seems like it's a bit of a ripoff of the green one, which is sort of connected mm -hmm. to Andrew Yang's statement, which is like not left, not right, but forward. The liberals don't have the left right thing, but it's like we're we're moving in a in the in the correct direction. And yeah. that the greens, it's the same thing, right? Like not left, not right, forward. That and 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 I think like they're trying to say like this isn't about ideology, this is about, you know, progress in a generalized sense. I mean, I guess they're better than the Tory one, but I, I'm not inspired. And the Greens, I think, are making a big mistake. I like the Greens see themselves as, and they in reality are, basically a centrist party. But Canadians don't see them like that. And if mm -hmm. you look at, like, who considers voting Green and who Green voters consider voting for, it's almost like, like Green voters overwhelmingly right now. There was an abacus poll done um, like a month ago that asked you, like, if you're not going to vote for the party you're currently voting for, who would you vote for? It's like 40% of Greens would vote for the NDP, yeah. which is clearly a left of center party. Like the Greens, mm -hmm. like the messaging doesn't fit like where their opportunities lie, which is like to challenge the NDP, right? So yeah. and finally, the NDP one is like in it for you, I think is, I think it's decent. I mean, it still sounds a little individualistic. Like it's like, uh, I like Bernie's kind of like not me, like, you know, like not me, yeah. us. Like, I yeah, like that's a that. Great slogan. I don't know if yeah. you can copy that directly because then it's like you're doing what the, the liberals did to the Greens. But yeah. in it for you, I think, is pretty good because it's like, you know, politics doesn't represent you. And the NDP is, is, is you know, reaching out to low income people and young people and marginalized people and working class people um, who have felt left out and have felt, you know, that Justin Trudeau didn't keep his promises, like indigenous people, for instance. And he's Jagmeet Singh and the team are in it for you. And I guess the implication and also people that you love and people like you in your community. Um, so I think it's probably the best, but like none of them are, none of them are going to ruin or make a campaign. Like they're really yeah. all kind of in the mushy middle. Yeah. Let's hope people pay a little more attention to these parties than just the slogans <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that, you know, you are just voting for somebody or, or voting for a party because of the slogan. But um, let's look at the, the state of the race now in terms of, uh, in terms of polling. So, uh, the uh, CBC poll tracker right now, last I checked, has the Conservatives at 34%, the Liberals at 33.3%, and the NDP at 12.8%. Now, a lot of the media coverage, I mean, so far, naturally, uh, when it comes to the NDP, has been extraordinarily negative. I mean, yeah. I, I have a hard time finding a positive uh, piece about the NDP unless it's written by somebody in the NDP. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's really hard to, to kind of see a, a, or have an objective um view on what these parties represent or what they're trying to, to represent. Um, but yeah, so just in terms of the, the, the polling here at first, what are your thoughts so far on, I guess, how this race will start with the conservatives and uh, the liberals sort of tied and the NDP trailing uh, far behind? Yeah, I mean, with with polling, I think it needs to be said very clearly that especially with the NDP results, there's a, a wide, wide disagreement with what the polls are. One recent poll by by Ecos has the party like at like seven, eight percent. Now, that poll is by like almost four and a half points lower than the next lowest poll done this month, which has the NDP at 12. And then there are still polls done this month without the NDP at 14 and 15 and 17 and 18. Hmm. Now, the CBC poll tracker 
has averaging done that includes recency of poll, size of poll, all of those things. I'm not going to criticize the methodology, but the average of the CBC poll being at 12.8 is lower than over half the polls. And mm. you can make of that what you will, but the NDP could be sitting in the mid-teens right now or they could be sitting in the low-teens right now. Um, we really don't know. But I think you're right that the coverage has tried to create a narrative of collapse um, yeah. that may not be there. And they've talked about the 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 candidates not being nominated fast enough, which mm -hmm. is always an NDP thing. For better or worse, the NDP wants women and people of color and working class people and, and, and indigenous people to run for our party. And we ensure that in every nomination possible, that if, if there is a if it, we that a person from an equity seeking group runs for the nomination, we don't guarantee any wins. We don't have a quota. But, you know, if somebody who doesn't fit an equity group is the only nominee, the party will task the riding association uh, with the effort to demonstrate that they've reached out to women and young people and otherwise marginalized people. And that takes time. And maybe and maybe some people think that's a bad thing, but. I think it's a good thing that the party tries to have a slate of candidates that reflects the nature of Canada and not, you know, 270 lawyers, you know, yeah, like, absolutely. You know, you know, who all have six figure incomes like that's that's not or or just a group of candidates that a leader largely selected themselves from the central office. I mean, that's that's the, the reality. And of course, at some point, the nominations will have to become more flexible. And I, the NDP always runs a full slate of candidates and is always behind. And again, the coverage isn't noting this with context. And I think that, in a sense, more needs to be said about how, you know, the coverage is, I think, more negative than it should be. And, and you're right in noting that it's hard to get good coverage. I mean, um, I've noted this before to you, both in our discussions on the channel and otherwise, that I have to go to Washington Post to write some <laughs> positive pieces about the NDP sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, the toughest interview Justin Trudeau's gotten in the last four years has been by Hassan Minhaj. Yeah. Like, I mean, that on, on just on Patriot Act, just this past weekend. Yeah. Jagmeet Singh gets much tougher interviews, and he's the leader of a third party. Um, in terms of polling, we're in a really interesting position overall. Right now, both the Liberals and Tories are sub-35, basically. That is very rare to have both of the two main parties below 35, and it's looking like that means a minority government. It could be an awkward situation because the liberals are polling good specifically in Quebec and Ontario. And if that happens, you might have a situation where the Tories, you know, win the popular vote, but don't have as many seats because they have all of these wasted votes in Alberta and Saskatchewan mm. where they're running up 30, 40 percent majorities in, you know, in rural Alberta and rural Saskatchewan and rural Manitoba. And, and the and your liberals are winning close races in Ontario and Quebec, showing greater voter efficiency. Um, so right now we're looking at a minority government and the NDP has been the only party that has said, you know, they're not going to support the conservatives in a minority government. So the NDP could form a kind of coalition with the liberals to enact positive reforms like electoral reform, dental care, pharmacare, and what have you. Other than that, I mean, we've seen, for instance, that if the conservatives can get close to a majority, they may or may not be able to get support from either Elizabeth May and the Greens or from the Bloc Québécois, depending on the issues. Now, Greens have been very mad at me for reminding them about this, but Elizabeth May has said so herself, that she would consider making Andrew Scheer prime minister if he gave her things on the climate. So I think that if Canadians don't want a conservative prime minister and they want a liberal government that's actually accountable to their promises, I think the goal has to be like a minority government where the NDP holds the balance of power. 
Um, I think that's probably the most likely option, and it's like an achievable option too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, just this one point, I, I guess I want to touch on because I, I saw it come up today. It seemed ridiculous to me, so I want you to uh, to comment on this. But um, there was a it was either a story or it was commentary on a story saying that the NDP is potentially polling so low that they could lose party status. Now, to me, this sounds like a compl- This sounds like an idea that is. Uh, an attempt to to put out there in a way to um, uh, get people to not support the NDP and kind of just think about voting for the liberals. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that? Is is that actually a potential that 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 could happen that they could lose party status? I mean, like at the end of the day, the polling aggregates right now do not reflect that one yeah. poll in particular. Again, that's an extreme outlier on the NDP at least. Um, does indicate that the party would lose a bunch of seats. But the aggregates in general indicate that the NDP will get somewhere between, you know, 15 and like 25 seats. That's a decline from 2015, but party status is 12 seats in Canada. Um, and so that's a major factor. Uh, I think that that's a likely result with the polling as it is. And I would be very surprised to see the party lose party status because the NDP has great strengths and pockets of this country. And they have great activist bases and they're running fantastic candidates there. Mm-hmm. And I just I, I don't I don't see that happening. And I see, for instance, right now, if the polling is to be believed, losses in places like Quebec. But there are potential pickups in places like St. John's East and Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. There are strong NDP candidates who lost in 2015, sometimes in very close races running again. Um, I would be very surprised to see that. And I would agree that some of these pollsters who have ideological biases, much like I do, to be fair, um, would would very much like to see a narrative in which the NDP disappears because they're I think have liberal leanings in their yeah. polls and and this narrative that the NDP is done for serves the political thing and this is where polling can become you know biased I'm not going to accuse pollsters of cooking their own numbers I I wouldn't do that um, but it's like how you interpret that data and how you contextualize that data can be biased and how narratives are written by what your polling is showing can be biased. And I think those polls are indicating something that hasn't been seen by the majority of pollsters thus far. I mean, again, Ipsos came out with a poll this month that had the NDP at 18. The -hmm. NDP in 2015 got 19. So in effect, it's within the margin of error. Now, Mm -hmm. the polls are to be believed because of the NDP's decline in Quebec, that might leave the NDP with quite a few less seats, even though they effectively tied their popular vote. But it Mm -hmm. does mean that the party collapse narrative isn't so much a reality as much as as it is, you know, how first past the post works, depending on how your vote spreads, which is a more complicated narrative. Yeah. I also just think, I mean, lack of media coverage right now is also a big factor. I think what once these campaigns really get rolling, um, then you're going to see Jagmeet Singh and other NDP uh, candidates on television more often. You're going to see more discussion around uh, each of the parties as opposed to focusing, hopefully, more discussion around each yeah. of the parties as opposed to just focusing on the conservatives and uh, the liberals. So I think that, uh, that, uh, uh, that media coverage will also help as well, especially because, as we've seen, like the wealth tax, the NDP proposals are popular. So getting that out in front of Canadians, I think, will also help uh, boost their numbers. But uh, Christo, uh, thanks again for uh, coming on. And where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on 
you know, Facebook and Twitter, it's just at Twitter. It's at Christo Avalis, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-A-I-V-A-L-I-S. David will have the spelling on there. Don't worry yeah, about that. Yeah, I'll have it all below uh, and then, the video and then as well. YouTube, uh, YouTube, you could just find me. My the YouTube channel is Christo Avalis. Um, you know, I got some recent videos on American politics and Canadian politics, a few videos that have talked about uh, these things. I have a Patreon, of course. It's Christo Avalis as well. But, uh, you know, check out, check out the channel. I think if you like David's stuff, you'll probably like my stuff. Yeah, uh, Christo's doing awesome work. Definitely check out his channel. I'll have the links below. Hit the button and uh, subscribe to his channel. And uh, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me.